I'm Jeff Byers. And I'm Rob Lott. And you're listening to another episode of Health Affairs This Week. This is the podcast where health affairs editors and blog team members talk about uh, the health policy and uh, health policy adjacent news that caught their eyes this week. So, Rob, I've I've been stuck. It's it's August. It's hot. I've I've just been staying inside. Uh, and so I haven't been catching up with the news as much. And there's something going on with the infrastructure package from what I'm aware of. I know that is it's been in headlines. That's right. Break it down for me. Do you, what do you right. know? <laughs> Fair enough. So um, if you you may have listened to last week's uh, health affairs this week, our colleagues talked a little bit about that because it was moving along. Um, as as you may know, there have been negotiations over the course of uh, many months now, um, a push to pass a significant infrastructure bill, and it uh, they voted on it and it passed in the Senate this week. So that was sort of a huge um, milestone and um, it had significant uh, Republican support uh, as well. And uh, now it will go to uh, the House to be debated before uh, being sent to the president. There may be some obstacles in the House. It's probably going to take a a few more weeks, maybe uh, even longer. But uh, folks are pretty optimistic that this infrastructure package is going to pass. So I, I know I produced those episodes, and I, and I definitely try to listen to them. Um, but when we were producing the earlier episodes, and for listeners, I would advise you to check out our, our previous coverage on the bipartisan infrastructure plan. But I remember there was something included in Amtrak in this bill. As a I when I lived in D.C., I was an avid Amtrak rider, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was a, a credit card holder for uh, Amtrak Mastercard. Uh, so no product placement here, just a just a <laughs> just a engaged consumer is the Amtrak stuff still in there or like what what's actually going down with that yes well no uh no Biden administration uh would let Amtrak uh slide of course um uh president joe biden big fan of Amtrak as well um maybe you and he can like combine your Amtrak credit card points, Jeff, and uh, plan a cross-country train trip or something. Yes, there's significant funding for Amtrak in this bill, as well as, um, if you want to take a step back, um, $39 billion in investment to modernize transit uh, more broadly. And so that includes improving accessibility for uh, the elderly and people with disabilities, bringing transit programs to underserved communities and um, repairing and upgrading aging infrastructure as well. So a big boost for Amtrak as well as uh, transit and public transportation more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I'm not sure how much uh, rail enthusiasts are on uh, <laughs> for the listeners of this podcast or, or in general, but um one of the things I do like about train transit is it opens ways of um, travel that might not be accessible to others, just whether they someone doesn't have a car or can't afford a car or something along those lines. So I, I put a lot of value in uh, the Amtrak service as, as a as a rider. Not to be a promo for Amtrak this whole time, but it did get me thinking. We recently at Health Affairs published a health policy briefing uh, on public transportation. 
Was that correct? That's right. Just a few weeks ago, we published a, a health policy brief about the relationship between public transportation and health. And this brief was authored by um, three folks at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Wendy Heaps, Aaron Abramson, and Elizabeth Skillen, all in the Office of uh, Policy and Strategy uh, at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And I do want to shout out um, our colleague, Senior Editor Laura Tolan, who uh, helped um, develop this piece and work with our authors to, uh, to uh, get it out the door. So uh, really, the focus of this brief is on the relationship between public transportation and health. Yeah, so unfortunately, I haven't uh, had the time to read that yet, but I'm excited to talk to you about it, but to have an informed conversation. So, so Rob, what is the connection between uh, public transit and health? Sure, great question. Uh, Thank I you. Think it, <laughs> so it might be worth taking a step back to think about sort of what our default approach is to transportation funding and planning in the United States. Uh, I don't think you'd be surprised if I told you that the vast majority of our uh, funding and focus is on um, roads um, over public transportation. And that has had some consequences, uh, obviously, in terms of people's health. So the two big ones are uh, road accidents. Um, I believe traffic fatalities are the leading cause of injury-related death um, in most age brackets. And um, pollution, obviously, is the other big one with a lot of cars on the roads, um, spewing out um, that uh, carbon dioxide, really uh, contributing to pollution, which has um, very clear negative impacts on people's health, um, as we know. And so if you want to look at the reverse, if we invest in public transportation, we can make a impact on reducing uh, traffic-related fatalities, reducing pollution, and the consequential uh, uh, chronic disease and, and other uh, health issues caused by pollution. So from an agency perspective, maybe, or like, are the public health people and the public transportation people talking to each other? Do they get along? <laughs> Do they lunch? I think they get along. I don't know about the lunches. Maybe they can meet up. Uh, they can ride the train and meet up at uh, Metro Center or something like that mm -hmm. for a sandwich. Uh, but uh, uh, historically, there hasn't been a lot of communication uh, between the two and the planning uh, of transportation products. Pro the planning of transportation projects hasn't really incorporated health into their thinking. That's beginning to change, especially with a realization, I think, in the healthcare and health policy universe that the social determinants of health are so impactful. And so suddenly folks are looking beyond the hospital and the doctor's office and saying, what kind of changes can we make that are going to help improve people's health? Well, uh, something like public transportation is a good example of that. So actually, in the briefing, what do they conclude at the at the end of it, or what are they putting forth to to readers? Well, I think one strong theme throughout the brief is this idea that uh, not only does public transportation affect health, but there's a strong health equity element as well. So the things we talked about 
road uh, fatalities, uh, road accidents, uh, pollution, the chronic disease caused by pollution, those things disproportionately affect um, low-income people, low-income communities, people of color. And so when we make investments that address those problems, we are uh, hopefully going to close those gaps, close those disparities, and really in make an impact on the health of some of the most vulnerable communities out there. Yeah, and I know this is... Uh... What I'm about to ask you is a really heady question and a very broad question, and I understand that. And I know we're not going to solve infrastructure problems here on a 15-minute podcast, but um, a lot of money uh, is needed to change uh, public transit infrastructure and things of that nature. Do we know if we are going to be able to have more funding for it, or like does the the briefing point anything out of inputs and outputs, or? I think one of the areas that the the brief highlights is the fact that the research around the health connections is not that robust right now. And so step one, more research. Let's really dig into the relationship between the two. But they do sort of identify areas for um, perhaps maximizing the impact of public transportation investment. Um, and so just to take a step back, you've probably heard that, especially in the United States, compared to maybe like Europe and other nations, building um, significant transit projects is like incredibly expensive and time consuming. A lot of people point to the Second Avenue subway in New York City that like took forever and was really costly for just a couple miles of subway line. And so one of the things they point at is sort of other potential public transit opportunities that might be less costly, but um, almost, if not as effective and, and impactful. Um, such as? What, such as, <laughs> like what? So um, there's a real strong interest in bus rapid transit. And so these are investments, relatively minor investments um, that you can make in bus lines to sort of mimic the benefits of a subway line. So whether that's sort of uh, creating dedicated lanes for the buses, um, fewer stops along the way, signal priority so buses aren't sitting at stoplights, that kind of thing. And then you've also got other, other public transit um, uh, initiatives. I'm thinking about the um, the bike share projects and the scooters all over the city. All of that is a way of sort of creating this web or this network of options and choices that people can make to make it easier to get out of their car and commute to work or stay in their community um, and go shopping nearby. That all that stuff works together bit by bit, incrementally, um, hopefully to make an impact over time. Yeah, and I'm and I imagine uh, at least with the scooters from from my uh, memory, I don't remember them seen until like 2018 or something along those lines. So I imagine a lot of this stuff is kind of new, and it and the effects on congestion uh, still might be, you know, still yet to be seen in research. Yeah, absolutely, and I would be remiss too if I didn't mention the importance. This is a perhaps one step removed from pure investment in public transportation, but the importance of zoning and really promoting density and mixed use communities 
um, can have an impact. And obviously public transportation uh, is the kind of thing that would help foster that density and make it easier for uh, more more people to get around without having to build more roads and more parking spots and all that. Yeah, some might call it uh, an inner workings of a community. Yeah, I like that. It's all connected, right? Uh, before we wrap up, I want to uh, encourage people to check out the health policy brief and also uh, put in a tease for another health policy brief coming down uh, the pike in a few weeks all about the impact of zoning regulations on uh, population health as well. And so if you say it's all connected, I agree. So are our briefs. That's right. That's right. So uh, it's kind of like we're almost many city planners. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Are, can, can I be the Robert Moses of health affairs? Sure. <laughs> That's probably sure. not something one should aspire to, but uh, you know, he's the only city planner I know. Oh, yeah. That one went over my head. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's probably a good uh, place to place to wrap up. With that, Rob, thanks for joining Health Affairs this week, talking to me about the brief. Uh, I definitely learned a lot. So it was it was it was fun. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Fun as always. Yeah. And if you, uh, dear listener, enjoyed this podcast, uh, please tell the urban planner in your life about this and uh, share with a friend. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, everyone. Bye.